Hey, and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for the B2B marketer looking for actionable advice they can put into practice today. My name's Jason. I'm a marketing director from the world of enterprise technology. And the order of the day is lead generation, the classic KPI for business-to-business marketers that is a focal point for leadership and commercial teams all around the world. After all, getting 100 new followers on Twitter is nice, but is it really driving new business? On this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you a story about how me and my team created a single white paper that ended up netting over 800 downloads and 27 pieces of coverage over a three-month campaign. Here we go. So one of my favorite pieces of content creation is research. And what I'm talking about here is proprietary owned insights that position you and your company as a thought leader in your space. And the reason I like it so much is that it's a super attractive lead magnet. Your customers will download it to stay on top of trends in the space. They may use some of the insights to build out presentations they're giving within their companies. The media will run it to fill out their content schedules. Your colleagues in sales can use it to reignite conversations with cold leads. It's got a lot going for it. It's also got a super long life cycle. So if you play your cards right, you can actually make it a recurring feature in your content calendar every year. For instance, as an organization in my space that for every quarter, for as long as I can remember, have been publishing the same report, but with just updated data, updated insights from their client deployment. And it's become a staple in my industry for journalists who write about. Um, and it's something that the industry at large picks up every time it comes out. So in this particular situation I found myself in, I knew that we had to go on a bit of a lead gen drive. and We knew that we had the goal of inspiring confidence in our customers that there was a need to invest in their digital platforms, invest in new technology and new features to engage consumers. In our case, we knew we needed something fairly broad that talked to a wide range of people because as an organization, we were fairly complex. We had a lot of different solutions, a lot of different products and services, and we needed something that was going to talk to as many of our potential customers as possible. So we settled on targeting decision makers around technology spend in our industry. We wanted to give the report as much authenticity as possible. After all, a technology vendor saying that you need to invest in more technology is hardly the most appealing headline. So we settled on three sources of data. One was consumer surveys, one was industry executive interviews with our clients and with our partners, and one was an aggregation of performance data across our client projects. So we knew we had the goal of inspiring confidence, we knew who we were targeting, which was decision makers on spend, and we knew where we were getting our data from. We then sat down as a group and we outlined the findings that we wanted to provide in order to hit that goal, which was inspiring confidence. This included things like proving that there was an uplift in engagement when fans had new exciting features to play with in a digital product. We ended up with around 10 to 15 different insights that we knew that we wanted to build into the report. Once we had this list of questions, we were able to build out three sets of questions for the consumer survey, the executive interviews, and the proprietary research that we were conducting across our data sets. For instance, if we wanted to understand exactly how much consumers were willing to spend on technology each month, we could factor that into the consumer survey with simply the question, how much do you spend on X in any given month? So now we had our goal, inspire confidence. We had our target audience, decision makers. We had a map of findings that we wanted to share, and we had three sets of questions. It was time to go out and do the research. For the consumer survey, we used SurveyMonkey, and it was super easy to set up. We just put in our target audience, we inputted the questions that we had come up with, we assigned our budget, and we just let the tool do its work. If I remember correctly, we kicked off on Friday, came back on Monday, all the data was already sitting in our inbox. 
For the exec interviews, we ended up leveraging our sales and our account management teams to reach out on our behalf to clients and partners who wish to contribute. Most of them bought into the idea. There was a little bit of resistance in some cases uh, from organizations who were a little bit wary in having their name assigned to that report. But in that case, we just ended up anonymizing them and using the insights. We then ran a series of one-to-one 30-minute interviews with each client and partner, asking them all the same questions. All these interviews were then transcribed using Zoom's auto-transcribe tool on the Pro account. For the proprietary data, we reached out to our product teams and we generated reports on four to five different metrics from the last 12 months across five client deployments. In the interest of commercial sensitivities, we aggregated and anonymized this data. And this was in things like time spent on platform, number of users, that kind of thing. Within two weeks, we had all the information we needed, and then came the hard part, which was distilling it down into a report. So this part of the research project, which we'll call the research phase, uh, came with a number of key learnings. The first one for me was authenticity. You know, if you're not partnering with an independent research organization, you have to inspire confidence in your credibility with the insights that you're putting to the market. So give yourself as wide a breadth of data to draw from. When you're planning out the report, don't just think of it in isolation. You know, think a quarter ahead, think a year ahead. Try and build a framework which is replicable, but always timely, something that you can become known for if you were to publish the same insights every year, but with updated data sets. And also when you're running interviews, just be super clear right from the get-go exactly what it is you're creating, where their name is going to be placed, and give them the opportunity to preview the document in advance. This will save you a lot of headaches if you interpret something that someone says in a way that they didn't intend. You give them the opportunity to correct themselves before you take it out to the press and publish it on your website. So once we had all the findings, we then had to go about and write the thing. For us, ease of reading was paramount. You know, we wanted to make sure that it was bite-sized, people could dip in and out of it. We didn't want a 20 to 30 page document that ran as a single narrative where you have to read it from start to finish in order to get as much out of it as you want. We also wanted to repurpose various sections of it for our content calendar, you know, over the next two, three, four months and develop multiple pitch angles when we were taking it to the media. So what we ended up doing was we split the report into around 10 different chapters, each one representing a specific finding that we wanted to share. We sat down as a group, we trawled through all the information from the consumer survey, the exec interviews, the analysis of our own data, and we highlighted everything that we thought was relevant. These snippets were then stored in a central document, and once we'd stripped the meat from all the research, we essentially mapped each of these different snippets of insight to the various chapters that we'd outlined. At the end, what this gave us was the skeleton of the report. We had the structure, we had the insights. What we now needed to do was go back and actually add the flavor with our copywriting to pull it all together. If you're fairly new to copywriting, I suggest you check out episode one of B2B Better. I sat down with a fantastic writer, Hermione Wright, who walked us through what it means to write like a human and to establish a tone of voice that's consistent over a long period of time or over a long document. I'll put the link of that episode in the description of this one. This part of the project, which we'll call the creation phase, came with some key learnings. The first one for me was just about keeping it simple. We knew we didn't want a report that would require someone to put aside half a day or a full day just to get through. So we split it into those different segments, which meant that for the media, for our potential customers, they could very quickly scan through and still get some value out of it. The other thing was about not working in isolation. You know, We were very transparent throughout the process with our commercial team, with our leadership team, with our product team, exactly what we were uncovering and how we were positioning it in the final report. So we were able to draw on a wealth of viewpoints and ensure that the final document 
was addressing all of our goals. Finally, we moved on to the promotion of the report. Collectively, we'd spent around two to three weeks on producing this document, so we knew that we wanted to make a splash with the promotion. We couldn't afford to let it fall flat. So we developed a three-pronged approach, which, if we simplify, basically came down to a content digital campaign across our own channels, so email, blog, social media, a media outreach campaign and event, and finally, a sales enablement campaign where we empowered our commercial team to go out and promote on our behalf the report to their potential customers. So let's start with the content. We mapped out a four-week content calendar, and this included a launch blog post and then subsequent blog posts that highlighted a specific insight from the report. This was obviously supported by social media as well. We also put aside a small budget for LinkedIn ads that targeted specific accounts that were being reached out to by our sales team. For media outreach, really it was built around an event. So we identified a targeted list of publications from the trade media, and we invited them for an exclusive dinner at a hotel in London. This was obviously pre-COVID. We gave a preview of the report and included a Q&A with one of our clients who had contributed to the report. This was followed up by pre-pitching to non-invited publications to the event in the two weeks before the official launch. And then on the day that we launched it across our website, we sent out a press release to all the trade media publications we'd identified. Finally, we also ran briefing sessions with our sales team. So we ran them through the report from top to bottom, and we also produced a one-page fact sheet so they could preview it to clients and prospects in advance of the launch. There were a couple of takeaways from this stage of the project. So I think the first one, the most important one for me, was when you're talking to the media, you have to be familiar with your data. So we created a separate fact sheet that outlined all the insights and how we got there through our data. This really helped the PR team during briefings when they were being quizzed by the media on exactly how did you get to that number, um, be able to answer confidently and establish credibility. Secondly, even a small budget placed against promotion for LinkedIn ads is worth considering, especially if your subject is super sector specific. You can go really granular. You can target people based on their company, based on their job title, based on their seniority, based on the LinkedIn groups they're part of. We certainly saw a huge amplification, even with a small budget, on top of what we were doing organically. And finally, you don't have to do a physical event not that you could at the moment anyway, but you don't have to do a physical event to promote your research paper. You can host a virtual preview on Zoom and actually that has the added benefit that you can record it and you can give it to your sales team and they can send it out to their prospects as you're launching the report. In the end, the piece got around 800 downloads, 27 pieces of coverage in trade media, and is actually still cited today in articles. We've got plans to reproduce it again later this year with updated findings. So it was a really good project. All in all, it took around two to three weeks of time, but it's continuing to pay dividends to this day. So that's it for episode two of B2B Better. I hope you found this useful. If you have, share it with your colleagues. You can leave a rating or you can subscribe. It's all really appreciated. If you've got any questions on the approach that we took, you can reach out to me on Twitter. You can find me at Jason R. Bradwell. We've got episode three coming out soon. Really excited for it. Have a great day. <laughs>